So I, I think I'll, I'll start with this. I've had something um, stirring in me the last two, three weeks. Um, we love Bill Johnson. We love Bethel Church. We are part of that association of churches. And uh, they actually, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, they had a sociologist come and go, okay, hey, from the outside, objectively, what are, what are the distinctives of this ministry? What are like the core values that you see that are actually in operation? What are we living? And I love this. I'm not going to focus on this for the message, just one aspect of it. But you know what their first core value was as a community? I bet you can guess. What was my whole first announcement about? You're awfully quiet. Okay, it was about the goodness of God, that they are all about the goodness of God, knowing the goodness of God. When the enemy comes and tries to lie to you, fundamentally, the heart of most every lie that he has is God is not good. He lets you down. He let this happen. He let this sickness come, you know, and he always makes an accusation against you and he makes an accusation against God and that accusation is he can't be trusted. Is that right? So then learning, well, God, how do I not live and be naive and deny that there are problems, but how do I trust your goodness in the midst of a problem? So that's, it's a powerful verse. The, nec the next one is that he is a God of the impossible. Anybody ever be in a situation that you could have not possibly have handled on your own and then God showed up and made a way for you where it seemed like there wasn't a way? Well, what is, how does that affect your life? How does that affect your attitude toward him? And by the way, how does that look to other people? Why is it these things keep happening to you and you have joy? Are you foolish? Yes, I'm a fool for Christ. But I'm also living in the truth that he takes everything and works it together for good. Right? So the other one, and this is the hardest one I think for Lori and I were talking about it, is that it was all finished at the cross. Did Jesus complete the work for your forgiveness for your healing, for your salvation, for your coming into the fullness, the full measure of who Christ is. Is it something you've got to do? Or was it actually finished at the cross and you learn how to accept that and walk in that and allow that to emerge from your life? Willpower, like Laurie was saying, anybody ever try to be your own savior? I tell you, I'm terrible at it. I'm not Jesus. It's been shocking to me to realize that the grace that I need, the power I need for my life is in him and not in my willpower, not in my measuring up, being good enough, being better than Gary, which isn't that hard of a job. I'm kidding, Gary. No, 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 no. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But the message today actually stems from the fourth um, distinctive, the core value of Bethel, and that is that each person is significant when you allow that belief to go deeper in your heart it's not just a concept but all of a sudden it's what you really believe every person you meet is precious to God every person you meet is created in the image of God and I believe it and I want to see it and I'm willing to contend for it for that person when that really goes deep in your heart do you know what the byproduct is what flows out of your life naturally it's the gift of servanthood it's the gift of being a servant to others because when you see the value in them you're willing to come under lift them up and see them come into the wholeness 
of who they are in God. It's an exciting challenge. It's an amazing adventure. It's a stupid, impossible thing to be able to do that God can put the possible of becoming a person who is a life giver, a breakthrough bringer, you know, standing in the breach even for others that God's purposes can be revealed. Come on, somebody get excited. I mean, and, and so for us as a community, we're going to be emphasizing this over these next few months. Uh, we're going to start doing kind of an orientation meeting maybe once a month for people who uh, want to do it online or who want to come and what are we about and where are we going. And one of those distinctives is going to be we strongly recommend everybody begin to practice servanthood, begin to serve in some area and see what God will do in your heart as you start becoming about someone else and not just yourself. And for me personally, the, some of the most important moments in my life, I've seen God come while my heart was there for another person. Whoa! When people are brokenhearted and going through despair and the Holy Spirit shows up and he breathes on them and he speaks life into them, man alive! It's like, bring on the next one! I, I don't want to do counseling. I don't want to give people advice. I want them to have an encounter with the truth of Jesus Christ and him speaking identity into their lives. And when that happens, that is just exciting. Amen? Ho! Oh, we're doing pretty good. And I've actually still got 20 minutes to provoke you. So um, I hope you're comfortable because I'm planning on making you uncomfortable. Ha! Huh. So when it comes to that gift, and it is a gift of serving, um, you know, a lot of you know, uh, when I was younger, I moved up here from L.A. and I moved to, to Battleground, Washington. And kind of early in my walk with the Lord, uh, he called me in my camera room and I responded. And then two weeks later, I was asked to be a youth pastor at a little country church in Hawkinson. And I loved, I loved those times. But I had a full-time job, I had a family, and then I was a youth pastor. And there were these kids that had needs and there were these families that had expectations. And, and honestly, I was getting kind of worn out. And I didn't really understand how to serve and didn't have the grace of serving. And so one time, I think I was driving home from church after doing like Sunday school and a message or something or whatever. And I, this sounds so bad. How many of you remember the song, Our God Reigns? Were you saved back then? Yeah. Our God Reigns. It's a beautiful song. Well, I'm driving my car in heresy and I'm just like, Our God Reigns. If you try to serve people in your own strength, you're going to get exhausted, you know? And if you're not looking for the opportunities he's giving you and you're trying to make your own opportunities to serve, anybody ever get worn out? Ministry burneth. Thank you, Linda, for being honest. She kind of threw it up a little like this, but... How? Oh. So there's a grace. There is a joy. Some, sometimes people, as they get older, they realize, man, when I can be about other people, when I can meet someone else's need, I encounter God right there. And he begins to meet my need as I'm giving away the very thing I would want. And so I love that. Our anchor verse for today is Matthew 20, 25 through 28. And the reason that we serve is because we're following his example. Because think of the life of Jesus. And... Um, I'll edit this part. I, I, I've had several things that are 
inheritance verses for me lately, and I've been sharing them some, but some verses have become so alive that what Jesus had, I now am desiring for myself. So this morning, what Jesus had, the way Jesus lived, what he valued, is also a promise to you that he can connect your heart with the very thing that was driving his heart while he was here on earth. And that's your inheritance. He will empower you to live that way. So Matthew 20, 25 through 28 says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Anybody ever have a boss who walked in that kind of authority, who thought, well, then I have to tell people what to do and I've got to make sure that they do it and I'm going to punish them if they don't because then they're going to recognize I'm a leader. and I have a... It's the opposite, exact opposite of the kingdom. You don't establish your value by having authority over people. It says, you shall, it, it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. How many people feel great when you're serving someone else? How many feel like you're the person with authority in the room? If your heart's in the right place, you will. But often, it's the op. When Lori and I started driving for Uber, I was like, I'm a taxi driver. How did I get here? But within a very short period of time, wait, I'm serving these people. I'm helping them get where they need to be. And I want to make it an enriching, enjoyable experience while it's happening. I want the very best for them. And if they don't say thank you, and if they don't tip me, I don't care because I'm here to serve them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over. You know, thousands of rides. It began to awaken in my heart. I'm coming under to lift up and serve for this. I miss it so much. It was amazing. So anyway, I don't want to overmake the point, but uh, if you're going to be great, you must, uh, they must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Oh, great! I'm not only cleaning a house and toilets and diapers, but now I'm a slave. I don't even have a right any longer to have all of my needs met. I'm just there to take care of others. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve. To what point? And to give his life as a ransom for many. The very mission of Jesus was to serve with such fullness and excellence that he laid his life down to bring life to all of those who would believe. It is the very foundation. It's the heart of our salvation. It's the heart of our kingdom. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I want to light a fire. I really do. So we're going to look at this in two ways. I want to look at first the heart of serving. And then I want to look at the act of serving. And by the way, if you start to engage in the act of serving before you've allowed the Lord to develop the heart of serving in you, it will not produce the fruit in your life and it won't produce the fruit in the kingdom that it's supposed to. That one I have learned. So... When it comes to that heart of serving, I think the first part is, is what that distinctive is all about, that everyone you serve is significant, whether they know it, whether they act like it. Uh, it there are some people, I mean, hmm, no, no, let me, uh, let me just stay on track here. Um, 
a concept that talks about the significance of a person that you can make a prayer tool is uh, Amago Dei, that we're created in the image of God. So Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image after our likeness. So the very image of God is in each human being that he ever <laughs> breathed life into. Amen? Are there some people it's hard to see that image? Are there some people who have a lot of crud between them and that beautiful Imago Dei seed that is created in their heart? And by the way, even as the next step, and this ties into servanthood, uh, in verse 28, what does it say? Okay, you're created in my image. Now go and be fruitful. And multiply, yay, but fruitful, what does fruitfulness mean? Be about good work, be about activity, be about what? If you're going to be working and fruitful and creative and doing things with excellence, you're doing it in a way that's going to bless and serve other people. Hopefully your fruitfulness is just not all selfish. Oh, I do this because I'm going to take care of my own needs. Almost all of us, when we work, we have to engage. Robert, he paints, you know, homes for people. He, and he's serving them with excellence. He's taking the strength God has given him and the gifting and the experience that he has, and he wants to serve people with excellence, and that provides for his family. Right, Robert? He's even going to paint the doors of the church. And uh, <coughs> woo baby. So anyway, Robert painted the doors out here after we had some graffiti, and it almost made me cry. It just touched my heart that Miko and I are working hard putting up the projector, and Robert's out there as a volunteer just painting the door. So, but you got a lunch out of it, right? Okay, I try to honor serving. So, anyway, Imago Dei, we're made in his image. Um, if you want to do an interesting exercise, uh, please apply your faith to this. Uh, how many of you first believe that you're created in the image of God? Show of hands. Okay, that you're made in the image of God. Do you, th is this verse true? Yeah, okay. So, that means everybody is. And if you say God... I believe that. So I now am asking for eyeballs to see what you're doing in this person's life, what their gifts are, what their passions are, what kind of calling you have on there. I want to know who they really are in you. Even the most nasty, obnoxious people, Lord, if their heart was in love with you, Jesus, if they, were, if they had all that energy that they're putting into negativity, if they could put it into your kingdom, what would they look like, God? How many of you think if you actually come with an open heart, like, Lord, I want to see them through your eyes, is that a prayer God might answer? Is that a prayer he could bless? By the way, that's a wonderful test for the, your own spiritual condition. There was a time I was in downtown Portland, and I had just come out of a meeting with some pastors, and we were planning like an event or something, and just building each other's faith up. And so I'm walking down the street to where my car is parked, and I'm not kidding. You've been in downtown Portland even before the riots. There are some interesting people. No wonder they say keep Portland weird. But every person I saw, it was remarkable. It's like, oh, I so like that person. Oh, look how unique their clothes are. And can you look at their hair? I mean, it was everybody I saw, I honestly, I, my spirit like connected with. And I almost wanted to talk to them. And some of them, I tried to stop and engage a conversation. And then I thought, wow, this is really weird. From where we had our meeting all the way back to the parking lot, every person I met, I really liked. That wasn't about me. 
That was about where my spirit was. My spirit was now in a place so connected with God that I saw something good, even in the street people that I was seeing. And if most people you see bug you, and all you can see are their weaknesses and their frailties or whatever they're going through, probably more about the condition of your own heart even. Amen? Feeling convicted? I don't see it yet. I don't hear it yet. We got to go deeper. I want to make you feel really bad before you can feel good. So, um, you know, we talk here about the culture of honor, that we want to create a, a culture where everyone speaks to each other in a respectful way, in a way that is mindful of their value as a person, that each person is significant. And um, Miko and I disagree on this one a little bit, and we love each other anyway. It's amazing. When there's a culture of honor, you don't have to have unity through conformity. You enjoy other people's differences even. And so for me, when I thought about that culture of honor, um, I want to treat everybody with honor, and there are times where people don't act in an honorable way. And if you feel like, well, I can only give people respect who are respectable, you're missing a key element. They still deserve to be treated with respect regardless of whether you think they've earned it. And the same thing with the culture of honor. I can show honor to other people, and I don't show it because I see honor in them or right now they're manifesting honor. You know why I do it? Because I want to be honorable. I want to treat others with honor so that I'm operating in an honoring way. And that is my choice. I can't control how people react to it. Amen? So uh, creating that culture of honor, looking for that Imago Dei, these are all the things that begin to spur your heart on into um, seeing through the right perspective. And I've been really fascinated lately with the concept, again, of redemption. And maybe someday I should do more of a point-by-point, verse-by-verse teaching on this. But when you think of God's purpose and plan of redeeming mankind back to original design, redeeming your life to be everything you were created to be in your mother's womb, God's concept of how he wanted to get a hold of you and reveal his goodness through your life, God, Jesus, paid the price to take you and establish the proper value. That's what redemption is. You redeem something back for its true value. You see it for its value, and you allow it to be honored and manifest that way, right? As opposed to devaluing somebody because they have a different, you know, uh, worldview. They have a different whatever, or whatever the difference is, you can devalue somebody, or you can allow God to bring that plan of redemption of always how would that be redemptive? By the way, when you're interacting with somebody, this is a really easy, easy test. I won't tell the story. It, it takes too long. But to be able to say, Lord, that what I'm about to say to Kimberly, will that be redemptive? Will that redeem her back to know your goodness, to be able to respond to you? Or will it bring confusion? Will it bring condemnation instead of conviction? You know? And it's really not a very hard heart check when you practice it some. And so for me, I often, it's my filter for the prophetic. It's my filter for almost everything now. Yeah, but sure, I can say that they did something wrong. I can see a mistake they made. I can point out a fault. But how will that be redemptive? Unless I can say it in a way that's going to help them become strengthened by that confrontation. You, yeah? Yeah. 
Thank you. I guess I used you as the example. Here, yeah, I got it. Oh, so a couple of ways of doing a heart check. This, is, this one dawned on me today. Uh, who's probably one of the greatest servants of our generation? In my opinion, it was probably Mother Teresa. And, and the woman had authority everywhere she went. Presidents, kings, they wanted to be around her. They wanted to be next to her, have pictures taken. And she was such an incredibly humble woman. And what did she want to do? I want to stand in the ghettos of Calcutta with the lepers. I want to meet a need for somebody, carry a burden for them that they can't carry on their own because she saw the value. If she didn't see the value of those lepers, I don't, is that hard for you? That's hard for me. Lord, I don't like getting around people who smell like urine, you know? And so, it, Lord, if I'm having trouble with somebody who's uncomfortable to me, let me see their value. Let me have your heart toward them and I won't be so worried about the sacrifice, you know, that it feels like I have to give to serve them. Um, when Lori and I, are who, our first uh, missions trip, and I'll get into this a little bit later, just I'm only going to touch on it, but sometimes, you know, you have to position yourself to serve. You can wait for spontaneous opportunities to serve, and if you start looking for them, they're all around. It's amazing. But at the same time, you can say, wait, but I... I'm choosing to be like Jesus. I'm choosing to serve. So I'm going to put it in my schedule. And if you want to really learn about serving, go on a missions trip. Because, honey, you don't stay at a nice four-star hotel. And you're eating food that is sometimes very interesting. You know, and you're serving people who aren't always pleasant even to be around. Oh, and so we had a motto. We had six people. It was our first trip ever. I was very excited about it. I started going on missions trips kind of late. And so it's like the Lord said, oh, let's jumpstart you. You're in charge and lead six people to a closed Muslim country. Woohoo! All right, God, let's go. And so our motto for the Uzbek team, we had several meetings, and it was the, one of the best teams we've ever had. The harmony, the worship together, the praying together, the wanting to see the best in the people we were serving. But you know what our motto was? There is no toilet too dirty and no diaper too stinky. We just kept saying, have that in your heart. Don't be offended that you paid a lot of money to go to the other side of the world and you're not going to be entertained and you're not going to be made comfortable. And every person there, myself included, our lives were changed by the people that we served and the opportunities that we had. So no toilets too dirty, no diapers too stinky. I don't know. That worked for me. That's, that became my prayer. I don't know if stinky diapers can actually be a legitimate part of prayer, but it was for me. Uh, stinky diapers? No. <laughs> if you want, I, who, whatever. <clears throat> um, so about the heart of serving, there are a couple more quick thoughts. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a, the Lord has been very good to me, as he is to everyone, of course, but I'm a weak man in some ways. And I've been forced to serve until I learned to start to like it. And, uh, and I have for years have done counseling and I will be with people trying to find a breakthrough for them, trying to find the anointing of the Holy Spirit for them to have that connection with God, to hear what their next step needs to be. And I love every time that happens, but there are times where I'm there to serve people and I hear the challenges they're going through, the burdens that they're carrying. 
and it's, it can be overwhelming. And if I try to, I learned early on, I can't make them my burdens. I can only like, hey, you cast your cares, put your burden on him, and I want to help you in that way. But the number of times that I was messed up, unhappy, frustrated, challenges in my own life. Have you ever been called to serve at a time when it was the hardest time of all to serve? And you go like, what have I got? I'm on complete empty, Jesus. You know, who do I think I am giving them counseling? I, they should be counseling me. I'm such a mess. And when you come to that place of brokenness and you still position yourself, but Lord, I'm here anyway. They deserve better, but they've got me. Lucky them. So Lord, meet me in this situation. Often, things go so much better when I'm weak and broken than when I think I've got it together, by the way. But the number of times I came home and I apologized to her, and I hugged her, and I said, you have no idea how much I appreciate you're my wife, and my problems are just my size. Because we're not facing the struggles of other people. There's something about helping other people with their burdens that makes your own burdens seem so much smaller. Something that you can, it's almost like, why in the world am I whining about my first world problems when I'm engaged in the needs and the problems of others, right? You get a much better perspective. And that's one of the benefits of learning to serve is you see the Lord break through when you don't know how to do it. And then you see others get touched when you don't know how to do it. And I've only got five stinking minutes. So here we go. The act, the act of serving. This may have to be a part two or something because this is an emphasis for us right now. But Galatians 6, 2 through 5 this is a guilt-provoking, condemnation-building kind of verse if it goes through the wrong heart, if it goes through the wrong filter. How many of you are, told, or are aware that we are told to bear one another's burdens? Well, that sounds fun. And so, fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. But, and then I love this last part. So important to know this part. For each will have to bear his own load. I, I'm only going to unpack this in two quick ways. Um, first, bear one another's burdens. And how many of you, when, did he read it right? Was Charlie confused when he got to verse 4 when it says, but let each one test his own work and then he'll have reason to boast in himself? Did that seem strange, or is that just me? Well, I had to stop. It's like, pause. What, what are you talking about? We're going to try to bear someone's burden, help lift their load. And by the way, we are called to do that. There are times where the burden, someone's loss of a spouse, someone's you know, job failure, someone's medical setback, someone's you know, the celebration of a new birth, but a mom who's just wiped out from you know, becoming a new mom. There are times where we have to step in because people can't bear the burden for themselves, right? And we're called to do that. Now, the verse 5 is very important, but let each one bear his own burden. You know what that part means to me now? We're not out to give charity. We're not to take the part of the responsibility where people can carry part of their own load. We're supposed to carry the load they can't carry by themselves. And so, as an example, when I used to do... Uh, a lot of different kinds of counseling. If, if everything was free, then people would be like, well, no, thanks, good advice. But if they actually had to invest in their own counseling, 
even a small thing, buy a book, you know, not even a necessarily a, a fee for the counseling. When people spent five bucks, they came, okay, they're taking notes, they're engaged, because they carried part of the burden themselves that they were able to, and I was going to come and bring the other part, you know, that they couldn't carry for themselves, the information they didn't have at the time. So, um, but what's interesting about verse 4, I looked it up, I'm, again, I'm not going to hit too hard on it, but you know why it says to have boasting in yourself? Because when you serve somebody else, you can have two reactions. You can say, well, I serve better than Lori does, or, but I don't serve as well as Linda, and it's, we're not supposed to compare ourselves like how you serve and how I serve and who serves better, who's gooder, who's betterer at serving. You know who you serve for? You serve as unto the Lord. Yeah. And when you're in that right place that the actual act of serving now is not for the recognition that you get as a servant, for the benefit, the thank you that you get from another person, it's not even for the rejection that you may face. It's like, wow, you know what? How, what are you doing with it? That's completely on you because I'm serving as unto the Lord. And then all the rest of it just kind of goes away. So Lori has had recently, and I can't tell the whole story, and I'm wrapping up, believe it or not. This is my first ending. There may be three. Um, Lori has been reaching out and serving different people, and some of them are very appreciative, and other people flat out have rejected her. And it ruffled her. It's like, wait a minute, but I've been so kind to you. Why are you not wanting to take you know, my acts of kindness? And I was like, okay. And we, both, we kind of both had to do a little bit of a heart check. Wait, if I'm doing it as under the Lord then I can let go of a different reaction than what I was expecting. So a lot more here, but I, we can't get to it today. Um, I want to end with a verse. And this was so beautiful. This is brand new for me. I was actually studying for all of you. I was trying to serve you well. Um, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Listen to this. When it comes to having the right heart for service, and then choosing what acts of service you're going to engage into, whether it's spontaneous acts of service or intentional structured acts of service, like a missions trip or being a volunteer, hosting a meeting, teaching, counseling, cleaning. Um, Galatians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ Jesus you are serving. What elevates service into a more beautiful experience than, Lord, I'm doing it for you? There was a day a couple of years ago, um, at that point my job was taking out the trash before services, and I was thinking, you know, like I normally do, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I've got to take out the trash, but then I'm going to go spend some time with you, and I'm going to, you know, play my guitar, and I'm going to get in your word. And, and then I thought, wait a minute. I can worship the Lord. I'm serving him while I'm taking out the trash and the stinky garbage. And I went and opened up the can. You have no idea. It was the most profound experience. I'm like, God, it's you and me. I'm worshiping you right now as I'm literally taking out the trash. Thank you, God. My heart was so overflowing with worship and thankfulness. Isn't that crazy? That's when you know you have the right heart of service and you're 
doing it the right way when you're really doing it for him. Amen? So I challenge you. We're going to be challenging everyone. If you're a regular part of our community, look at least for one way, once a week, you can be intentionally serving other people. And then look for those spontaneous opportunities to serve as well throughout the week. And I guarantee you there will be an eruption of joy, of gratitude, of thankfulness for all of us as we begin to serve each other as if each one of us are significant. Amen? Amen. So, Father, oh, wow. I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the way that you served. I thank you that you didn't lord it over us. You are our Lord, which means you came under. You paid the ultimate price to bring life and healing and breakthrough into our lives. And you served with such excellence that now as your sons and daughters, we want to learn to serve others with the same excellence, see the same breakthrough, the same healing and deliverance and salvation for all of those that we communicate with God. Give us a heart to see them through your eyes, to place the right value on each human being that we encounter, that they may not even believe that they have value in themselves, but they can see their value through our eyes. That's our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless y'all.